FM Politics here. We're just rounding up the politics news and the clips and what happened today in the world of electoral politics. One notable thing that uh, I'm going to play a clip for you um, about is indeed Donald uh, Trump Jr. Of course, stepped into it, claiming that basically the coronavirus epidemic is under control, that there are not really any deaths anymore. So essentially, all the people who are dying is basically fake news. And also his father um, somehow uh, blamed doctors uh, for the high count of deaths because apparently, which uh, none of us, I guess, uh, were aware of this, but according to the great dear leader, uh, Donald J. Trump, the medical expert, the expert in everything, the master of all, the man that knows everything under the sun and more, knows more than the generals, know more than the doctors. Apparently, the only thing he doesn't know more about is being president, being the president of a nation, an entire country, not just red states, not just one people, not just uh, rich people. He doesn't know about being president. He doesn't understand the concept of the United States of America and how it is set up. The governors are not on their own. You're supposed to lead the nation in time of crisis that impact the entire country. The president was supposed to lead. Not as your son-in-law said, take credit for the reopening, but blame the governors for the dirty work of the testing and the deaths. How cruel. How amazingly cruel. This, this, I can't believe this family. Where did they come from? And Jerry Kushner had to get on there and talk about how black uh, men don't want to succeed. Come on, you people. Fan the flames of the white supremacy. <laughs> stand back and stand down. Come on, wait for what? The orders? good people on both sides let's not forget grab them by the you know what so today and uh, Miss Baron Aquila of CNN will take Donald Trump to task and I'm just going to play the clip of and uh, uh, share some of the CNN roundup Miss Keela's show I love her show uh, it's fantastic she comes at it and she goes at people she is tough, and I appreciate her talent. I'm a, I'm a fan, so as we do these nightly roundups, definitely I'm going to uh, share some clips from Mr. Keeler's uh, show from CNN. Um, you know, hey, this is what I do, and um, hopefully we can do a lot more of this. I know a lot of you can't go watch uh, too many clips so we'll, I will come and try to round up as much as I can find out the interesting ones and yes I'm not here to uh, I'm not right I don't lean right 
I'm not a right winger. I'm not a lefty. I'm a pragmatic American, uh, an immigrant uh, from Africa. Yes, I am, but I've been here 40 years. Uh, I was brought here as a, as a child. I'm one of those original uh, dreamers, I guess you can say. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I'm, I'm pragmatic, and uh, which most people would say probably progressive, because I am uh, progressive on most issues, if not all. But uh, uh, this this is an election of our time, and so we will communicate, and I will share as much as I can with you. But uh, yeah, I'm building this as a basically a roundup of a network where we I have a Facebook, I have a Twitter, and uh, there is a YouTube, of course. So uh, we gotta get on the gram, Insta and all these other networks. But, uh, and there's a blog on blogspot, fmpolitics.blogspot.com. So if you just Google effing politics, E-F-F-I-N-G-O-N, uh, and then politics, you will run into some of our pages and our postings. So anyway, here, um, let's talk about what happened and listen to uh, being a killer and the CNN and see uh, their thoughts on, first of all, Don Jr.'s uh, stupid words to uh, Laura Ingram. And then let's, uh, she, 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 she cut encapsulates it very well. So let's check it out. Planet Trump's dismissal of the coronavirus has taken a sick new turn, with the president's son, Donald Jr., saying this on his favorite cable channel last night. I went through the CDC data because I kept hearing about new infections, but I was like, well, why aren't they talking about this? Oh, oh, because the number is almost nothing, because we've gotten control of this thing. We understand how to, how it works. They have the therapeutics to be able to deal with this. If you look at that, look at my Instagram, it's gone to almost nothing. We're outperforming Europe in a positive way so well because we've gotten a hold of this. That is a lie, and it is a slap in the face of the hundreds of thousands of Americans who have died and will die from the coronavirus. Let's start with the facts before we get to his smirk. He says this on the very day that nearly a thousand Americans died from COVID, according to Johns Hopkins. He says this on the very day the number of cases in the U.S. hit its highest mark of the pandemic. And he says this as the nation sees a 44% rise in hospitalizations this month. He says this as 17, 17 states report record high hospitalizations yesterday. It appears that he's basing his argument on a CDC table that shows provisional numbers and presenting them as actual numbers. The CDC's disclaimer on its provisional numbers literally says, quote, the number of deaths reported in this table are the total number of deaths received and coded as of the date of analysis and do not represent all deaths that occurred in that period. It says, quote, these estimates are based on incoming death certificates. And if Donald Trump Jr. had ever had the misfortune of procuring one, a death certificate for a family member who had died, he would know that, quote, death certificates take time to be completed. The CDC also explains when it comes to its provisional data that, quote, states report at different rates. It takes extra time to code COVID-19 deaths. 
all of which means, quote, provisional data are not yet complete. Now, one can tell that Trump Jr. was stepping in it as he called coronavirus deaths almost nothing from the reaction from Laura Ingram. She started the segment with a jovial expression. And as her guest minimized deaths on a day that almost 1,000 Americans died, she stops nodding, her smile changes, and yet she still offers him a lifeline with her fact check. There are COVID deaths, but the question is, are, are they really rising with the rising case numbers? And I think we know from all the charts, you can go on all the websites, you can see you know, that there may be a slight uptick, but not tracking with the rising case numbers, which frankly is good news. Deaths are not tracking with the rising case numbers, she says. Good news, she calls it. Deaths don't track with rising case numbers. They never have. Deaths lag cases by the amount of time it takes for some people to get deathly ill and die. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes two to eight weeks after symptoms start, according to Harvard School of Public Health. She likely knows this. Shortly after Junior's horrific answer, Laura Ingram tries to wrap the interview up very quick. Donnie, we got we got to roll. It's not the first time Ingram has tried to steer a Trump away from disastrously false or tone-deaf comments, like in August when she asked the president this. Who do you think is pulling Biden's strings? Uh, Is it former Obama People that you've never heard of, people that are in the dark shadows, people that... What does that mean? That sounds like conspiracy theory. Dark shadows, what is that? It's the journalistic equivalent of those blow-up bumpers that are used for children in bowling alleys. Like when she tried to course-correct Trump after he compared a Kenosha police officer who shot Jacob Blake in the back seven times to a golfer missing a short putt. (laughs) I mean, couldn't you have done something different? Couldn't you have wrestled? You know, I mean, in the meantime, he might have been going for a weapon. And, you know, it's a whole big thing there. But they choke, just like in a golf tournament. They miss a three-foot... You're not comparing it to golf because, of course, that's what the media I'm saying. Donald Trump Jr. posted his cherry-picked graph of coronavirus deaths that doesn't show the actual state of coronavirus deaths on social media three days ago. So he should have known for days that it was wrong, if he cared. And he still went on television and he said coronavirus deaths are almost nothing. Well, the 971 people whose deaths were reported yesterday were everything to the people who love them. There are 229,026 people who have died in this pandemic and their deaths should not be denied. I wanna bring in CNN chief political analyst, Gloria Borger to talk about this. I mean, Gloria, the president's son dismissing that nearly 1,000 Americans dying in a single day is almost nothing. He's either, I mean, I don't know how you would describe it, either ignorant, willfully ignorant, or just very stupid when it comes to this. I mean, what do you think about what he said? Well, I think it's disgraceful. I think he knows the truth, but he prefers to live in an alternate universe because that's the universe his father occupies. And on a personal level, as the son of somebody who was quite ill with COVID, the president of the United States, it's remarkable to me that he is so dismissive of the number of deaths from COVID. He knows how sick his father was. He knows that his father had to get extraordinary treatment and drugs that are not available to most of us in order to help him and help him improve quite quickly. And yet he's so dismissive because he has to live in this universe. Because the universe in which COVID is issue number one and hangs over the whole campaign is a problem 
for Trump and That's a problem right. for the Trump campaign. Right. So it's like father like son. And the son is just mimicking his father, saying Two that, lions. you know, we've turned the corner. Everything's going to be great. We're going to have the therapeutics and the vaccines and we're going to get back to normal. So don't pay attention to all of this other chatter yeah. because it's not true. When, of course, it, it is. It also feels a little bit like a buzzer beater on the part of Donald Trump Jr. and his dad. Because, look, I mean, we were just talking about how deaths lag in increase in cases. They, they, they lag by two to eight weeks because it takes time before people deteriorate. It takes time before they die. So we're seeing this spike in cases. The deaths will follow, but they haven't yet. So what you have is the president and his supporters, like his son, who are basically saying, look, it's not really a thing. There aren't deaths. And it's incredibly cynical. Right. It, it is incredibly cynical. And then you look at the increased number of hospitalizations, for example, all over the country. I mean, they are campaigning as if COVID doesn't exist anymore in the middle of an uptick, a large uptick throughout the country in COVID. There are spikes and they are saying there are not spikes. It's in the rearview mirror. Well, that's very difficult for people to kind of absorb. So the only way you can do it, I guess, is to either make fun of it, as the president does, which is when he says, COVID, 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 that's all we're going to hear about, or challenge the statistics, or challenge the science, or challenge the scientists. Um, That's what you have to do to get people to come live in your universe and believe you. Uh, because it is around the corner and the election is on Tuesday, but people are already getting nervous about this. So you have to find a way to say to them, don't worry about it. Be happy. It's fine. That's right. <laughs> Gloria Borgia broke it down. Let me tell you, there's something wrong with that Trump family and this Don Jr. I don't know what rock. Uh, from which he crawled under. Uh, I guess, I guess uh, uh, we know uh, from whose genes he comes from. So uh, I didn't know, uh, you know, silliness and stupidity was uh, an inheritable trait. Uh, but apparently, when it comes to the Trump family, these are indeed uh, inheritable. And because they have an abundance of the silliness and the stupidity and the ignorance and the heartlessness, the lack of empathy, the bigotry, apparently they are inheritable because his children uh, spew as much ignorance as their uh, dear dad, the great man. Uh, this. So... Uh, and you heard what, what he talked about. And so with, as this election goes, you will see and you hear because the desperation is there for sure. The Trump, Donald Trump and his family are desperate. Because where do they go from here? There's nowhere to go. They can't go up. The brand is dead. Without the presidency, who are they? What are they? Who wants them? Who wants to be around them? Who cares about them? Because Trump definitely doesn't care about anybody. He's not going to be a beloved leader. These are uh, 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 so Trump uh, uh, clan, Trump people, Trump, Trumpers, you call whatever you call them. 
his these supporters when he's no longer president? Do you think Donald Trump will give a damn about that? Do you think he will ever go down to, uh, like, say, some farmland in North South Carolina or Georgia when he's out of office to go visit his supporters? Do you think he'll ever see you again? Of course not. And so these people come and they make up an entire universe, which is what he did when he came into power. He made it seem like an economy that was uh, on the upswing and has been saved by the Obama-Biden administration was somehow the worst economy ever. And he used race, as he continues to use, as really his, uh, his, 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 uh, his ace, that he's really everything about, everything goes everything he he stands for has some kind of basis in his racism or his uh, policies including immigration has basis in racism and uh, ignorance because at some point when this virus was known to be affecting more minorities more blacks and latinos than anybody else the trumps and the republicans all of a sudden stopped caring as much about it and wanted to just let everything go and let it spread all of a sudden became herd immunity let's see how many people it can take care of then those people will gain immunity that way and we don't have to worry about it too much Vaccines. If the vaccines come around, who do you think is not going to get vaccines? The same people that that the virus is disproportionately impacted. So it's going to be harming those communities the most, but they are going to be the last to get vaccines to save their lives. It almost sounds like somebody is uh, 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 involved in just to have a word for that. I don't know, it's called genocide or something like that. Just knowing letting people die because you don't give a damn about them. They, have, they, they, they talk about stuff like that in international law. This man is cruel. Let's see what else he talked about today because... Oh, yeah, and uh, some Republicans, people are taking them to task. So let's see there is one food you should let's always see. eat if you want to live to age 120. I discovered. What's going on here? Let's see what had to be said here. Next guest, Tom Friedman, best-selling author of Thank You for Being Late and many others, believes far more is at stake as in everything that makes this country what it is. Quoting the lead paragraph from his latest piece in the New York Times, there is no escaping it. He writes, America is on the ballot on Tuesday. The stability and quality of our governing institutions, our alliances, how, to, how we treat one another, our basic commitment to scientific principles and the minimum decency that we expect from our leaders, the whole ball of wax is on the ballot. And Tom Friedman joins us now. Tom, you say that it, it's not just America on the ballot, that, and that this weekend you said may be the, quote, last weekend of America. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here in my home you know, outside of D.C., Anderson, I'm really asking myself that question. Is this the last weekend of America as we know it? Because um, it won't be certainly if Joe Biden wins a kind of landslide victory that you know your previous commentaries were, were talking about, if he can win a clear victory. Uh, it won't be if Donald Trump wins a clear victory. 
But if Biden wins um, uh, a narrow victory, uh, it's very clear what the president is going to do. He's going to challenge every single ballot in every single state. He's going to try to drag out the counting, delegitimize as many votes as possible, and he will create a situation, Anderson, where we will have something we have never had before. We will not be able to elect a legitimate successor president to this president. And when you break something like that, people need to appreciate when you break something like that, the United States of America and its ability to freely and fairly elect a legitimate successor, getting it back when you break it, boy, that will be really, really hard. So I have a pity myself. What, what are the, the ripple effects of, say that's the scenario, it's too close, uh, you know, it, it's in the courts, and the courts end up deciding, you know, one candidate refuses to accept it, you know, whatever happens, what do, you, what do you think the ripple effects are of that, both in the country and, and globally? Well, let's start with the country. You know, Al Gore, uh, back in 2000, uh, bowed to the will of the legitimate Supreme Court. Al Gore took a bullet for the country. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump will put a bullet into the country yes, he will. Uh, in order to stay in power. Say that. So let's start there. I think if he does, I think Democratic voters will already feel raw and cheated about the way the last two Supreme Court seats were decided and, mm-hmm. and uh, installed in the court. Already raw. If they now see Trump actually try to steal the election by contesting legitimately cast ballots, mm-hmm. I think people will be in the streets in very, very large numbers. Yep. And eventually there'll be violence. Um, and once it starts, uh, you know, there's, there's no predicting where it can go. When you break something mm. like this incredible system we've been bequeathed by, uh, you know, our, our forefathers, uh, get back, getting that toothpaste back in the, in the tube, will be really, really difficult. Right. And that's why I pray there's only only one body that can save us now, Anderson. That's the American people. You know, you don't 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 count on on, on our our Secretary of State or our Attorney General or or any uh, of these senators. Forget it. It's over. It's too late. The only thing that can save us is if the American people go out and a overwhelming majority of them uh, vote for Joe Biden. And if I have one wish, Anderson, if you were my genie and you said, Tom, you get one wish, what would it be that would be the greatest thing for America? The greatest thing for America would be is if Joe Biden won Texas. Because if Joe Biden won Texas, it would break this fever in the Republican Party. It would blow that party up. The same moderate Republicans, I think, would reemerge. I could see then Biden actually forming a national unity government that would include everyone from AOC, you know, on one side to a, a few Republicans on the other. We actually get back to a national unity government and the Trumpers, um, uh, Donald Jr. and Donald Sr. And, and the whole clown car can go off on Fox and do their thing and start their own network, whatever they want. But my real hope is if somehow Texas, I will even take Georgia, I'll even take Georgia, Anderson, because that would blow up this version of the Republican Party and give us what we desperately need, which is a truly conservative party, not a cult of Trump, because we won't have a healthy liberal party if we don't have a healthy conservative party. If former Vice President Biden wins Texas, you think that could be a watershed moment for the Republican Party? Can you Exactly. Because that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll, it'll force the reckoning if they we'll lose Texas. Uh, that will be such a shock to the system that's right. that it'll be the same kind of shock 
that um, uh, the, the two wins that Obama gave them, that they were supposed to force a reckoning. And remember, they did this whole study, you know, to why did we lose? We need right. to reach out to Hispanics and minorities and women and deal with issues like climate. Mm -hmm. And then oh, Trump just derailed that's right. that whole rethink of republicanism yeah. and turned it into the cult of Trump, that's which has been so unhealthy for the conservative that's movement, right. for conservative ideas, right. and, day, and so unhealthy for the country, because we need a healthy conservative party. If we have a healthy conservative party that actually can collaborate with a healthy liberal party, Trump we can get back it. to being the country we, we want to be and need to be. You, you write in the latest op-ed in the New York Times about the president the saying, uh, if we re-elect him, uh, this is a quote, if we re-elect him knowing what a norm-destroying, divisive, no, corrupt liar he is, then the world will not treat the last four years as an aberration, we will treat them as an affirmation that we've changed. The world will not just look at America differently, but Americans differently and with good reasons. Well, I mean, what about the idea that America is bigger than, than any one leader? Hello, this is Franklin Graham. Have you voted? this idea that every democracy or many democracies in their histories, Anderson, have taken a flyer on a populist, fast-talking, you know, con man. Uh, you know, I come from Minnesota. We had a governor we took a flyer on like that. Yeah, it happens in history. You can do it once, but when you do it twice, then it's no longer about who he is. It's about who you are. The whole world will look differently at us if we were to reaffirm and reelect this man. Because then the world will actually start looking at us really like it looks at Russia and China, just another transactional country. They'll look at us as a country that decided to change the Statue of Liberty from giving you're tired, you're, you're poor, you know, those seeking uh, you know, to be free, yearning to be free, to get the hell off my lawn. That's what the Statue of Liberty mm. will be saying. Mm. Get the hell off my lawn. And that place. will affect the whole world. Because, country. you know, Anderson, the, the world likes to make fun of America. Sure. You know, they love to make fun of our naivete. We think every problem has a solution, you know. Uh, but deep down, they envy our naivete. They envy our optimism. Because mm -hmm. these, these are people who come often from very cynical and corrupt countries. Right. And the fact that they always know out there in the world that there's this place called America, somewhere over the rainbow, where they do have free and fair, honest elections, where you can get things done in the court without corruption. Knowing that, that that place is out there, and that actually will speak up for human rights and the right values around the world. That is so important for the world. And if we go dark, the whole world goes dark. The, I mean, have you seen the country on edge like it has been in these, I mean, in these final days? Never in my life. I just know how I feel. How I feel with my family and, and my friends. Um, I, I have a hard time watching the news. I, I just, um, uh, because I think, as I said in that column, Anderson, America's on the ballot. Don't kid yourself, folks. Everything's on the ballot. And if there's one thing we have learned about Trump, he does not stop at red lights. There is no bottom there. This is a man also, I think we, we should come to terms with the fact People are hoping that his followers will see the light or, or whatever. He told us 
early on. He, he told us early on that um, he can shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and his followers yeah, will yeah, stay with him. That's right. And in those rallies you were showing before, you know, uh, I came on, you, you, can, like you can still see that. Mm -hmm. The important thing also about defeating Trump Anderson is this. Gotta beat him big. The good Lord, he did one good thing for us. He only made one of him. Thank God he only made one of him. And if he is defeated, I don't think you will see someone like that emerge very quickly again. Mm. Thank God. Tom Friedman, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Mm. That's right. The man is heartless. And I, I just, I can't believe how much, how much damage he has done and the potential damage he could still do to this country before it's all said and done. Now, you know, he is being taken to task to some degree by some people, but all too much, he's doing whatever he wants and this Republican Party has enabled this Donald Trump to basically um, do whatever he can, do his darnest to make America seem and be and feel as Russia, as much as much like Russia as possible. Hmm. I wonder where he got that idea. I wonder who told him to make America as a screwed up nation as Russia is. I wonder who really benefited and enjoyed seeing that happen. Hmm. Hmm. Could it be, uh, uh, ooh, oh, that guy Putin. Oh, yeah. Vladimir Putin couldn't have written a better script for Donald Trump. Wonder what they talk about when they meet in private and we never get to see those notes. And he rips up the interpreter's notes. I wonder what he got from Vladdy. I wonder what his orders were when when he does stuff like that. But anyway. Uh, there was a spirited discussion today, and that's not, you know, some Republicans have a, a abandoned uh, the orange monster, and, uh, you know, notably the Lincoln Project, and then you have, like, uh, Republican voters against Trump. You got all kinds of organizations that have come out from the Republican um, side who have organized and who are actually actively helping. Uh, to elect Joe Biden, and there's also been plenty of former Trump staffers, including cabinet officials, high-ranking as well as uh, regular staffers who have come out against their former boss and have spilled the beans about his horrific, uh, uh, you know, nature and how he is and how he doesn't give a damn about anybody about himself and staying in power. Uh, and we know he's corrupt. There's fraud in his taxes. There's a lot of problems with this guy. And in my view, I think he's fighting to stay in power. You know, it's a, do, you, do you understand that this, this might be the first time that we have a president who may have to use the lame duck session, the lame duck presidency, which is the period between uh, after the elections, November 3rd, so from November 4th to literally uh, January 19th or the 20th, uh, he basically is just somebody that's lame that's supposed to be sitting there uh, 
helping to transition. We know that's not going to happen. Uh, he's probably, if he loses, going to just go sit in his Florida Mar-a-Lago somewhere. But I fear Donald Trump is worried about potential prosecutions. And this is what he's going to use. This is what he's preparing. The potential for violence, the potential for not believing uh, in the peaceful transition. While he's doing all this, he's holding on to a negotiation chip. Uh, you know, basically, I believe he's, he's setting up a situation where if, if the DOJ can negotiate a non-prosecution agreement with the states, he will agree to leave the country. And if you will let him maintain his assets and his properties, I believe that's what it's going to do. This is going to be the first time the President of the United States may have to or will at least do his darnest to negotiate an exile, an exit from this country in exchange for vacating and leaving his position. And where will he go? I don't really think he cares much about Middle Eastern countries. And he knows he will not find any love, any respect, any adoration in Europe. He definitely isn't going to Asia. There's only one place. There's only one place where he will feel at home and be loved. There's only one place, one world leader who will gladly welcome Donald Trump as a resident of his country. Nothing will please Vladimir Putin more than to see him hanging out with the American president or whatever he knows about our country, all our secrets. Imagine that. The last F you to America by Donald Trump would be go to go live and buddy up and hang out and literally become uh, Putin's face. And he would take his, his movement, his movement, and I guarantee you, you'll find a lot of Americans, most of his believers, who will also probably, if Trump was to be able to go and not be prosecuted for his many crimes and go live in Moscow, you see a, a exodus of a bunch of Trumpers also following him to Russia. Good riddance. Am I dreaming or is this something that's a possibility? Because, wow, if we can send all the Trumpers to Moscow, to Russia, and let them go with Trump, in fact, I think America would be getting the better deal if we were guaranteed that his followers would also follow him. That would be awesome. I'd sign that. Let him go. Shit. <laughs> Let him go. But, uh, yeah, there was a, 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 a well-hearted discussion that Republicans are uh, taking Trump to task. Oh, so uh, let's not lose sight of that. And Michael Steele, the former chair of the Republican National Committee, is, uh, of course, has been a Trump critic and uh, employed at uh, MSNBC for a while. So, but it's, it's significant when the former boss of the party 
basically announces that he's supporting Joe Biden, uh, the the Democrat in the race. And so, uh, you know, but it, it goes in line, so it's a long line of high-profile Republicans who have switched on Trump because the man is disgusting. Let's just be honest. He's, he's, he's nobody you want your child to be like. Nobody. No Republican can admit that they want their child to be like Donald Trump. No significant Republican, no uh, official, everybody that have been asked to vouch for Donald Trump's character has wavered or has just basically been declined to do so. He doesn't have what it takes. If nothing else, character alone, alone should disqualify Donald Trump. That alone. Because no president really delivers on their policy promises 100% anyway. At best, you might get 30% of what they promised to do. That's a fact. Look it up. So at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with what they promised to do. It has something to do with their leadership, their style, their their integrity, or lack thereof. How are they going to represent the country? This is going to be the face. Donald Trump has been the face of this country. And look what has happened. It matters who is leading this country. He's not a leader. And right now, Americans can't even travel to most of the world. Most of the world have locked their doors to America because we have an incompetent president who has allowed this pandemic to go bunkers. Why? So let's hear what they have to say, uh, where some of the Republicans are headed with this. And uh, it's good to always check in on Aaron Marvis Melba's show. Uh, He always puts on a good show and uh, a lot of good guests. So I'm a fan of Ari's. I, love, I always love his references to hip hop. I'm a hip hop guy myself, so. But uh, yeah, he had Michael Moore and uh, and Steel on Michael Steel, so um, I, I was very intrigued by the conversation. And let, let's see what they had to talk about. Um, here we go. Change. Is it okay to change your mind and, and hang out with Michael Moore? Oh my goodness, yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, no, Mike. Actually, Michael and I, I think we did a panel a few years ago uh, with one of the other hosts. So, we, you know, we've been in the room together. And, um, you know, Michael and I will probably, after Joe Biden wins, go toe-to-toe on this show and others uh, over some big policy issues. And you know what? That's okay. Because I'd rather have a tango with Michael over policy than over being an American. And, and so I think that this is, this is the important part of this election for me. This is about our citizenship. It's about who we are. And a Michael Moore and a Michael Steele can actually come together around the principal idea of electing an American president. Uh, strongly put, Michael Moore, I, I want to turn to you. And this is something you've spoken about in 16 when people didn't want to hear it. Uh, You spoke about it in the primaries, and now, of course, you're out backing Biden. And that is the way that Donald Trump, however much people don't like it, uh, has at times appealed or lied his way into appealing to certain folks who might be 
populist or progressive or on the left. Uh, we do our job listening here. I want to play briefly for you. We talked just last night uh, to some people who supported Sanders in the 16 primary, then went to Trump. Uh, and now we're turning back to Biden. Take a look. His original idea of improving the economy just backfired. I mean, and he really hasn't done anything to improve it. He turned out to be a salesman instead of a business leader. He kind of reminded me of my first husband. He doesn't listen, doesn't stop to ask for directions, and doesn't compromise. Bernie's a little too socialist for me, but I'm definitely not interested in fascism, communism, or dictatorship. Michael Moore, two of those voters, Sarah and Kathleen, uh, went from Sanders to Trump back to Biden. What do you see as important in the closing arguments on all of this now? Mm. Well, uh, first of all, it would have been so funny, Ari, had the, the teleprompter person mixed up the introductions here, introduced, introduced me as the former chair of the Republican Party. Um, but, and I would have gone with it. I would have had your back. And nobody would have thought I appreciate it. that. Um, but uh, no, my, my, Michael Steele, too, you know, he thinks we're going to go toe to toe. But let's just be really honest about people like Michael Steele, uh, uh, Nicole Wallace, uh, you've got a list of wonderful people. Um, they're not, whatever the Republican Party was, that party's dead. And how much Trump has killed it, we'll see. Uh, but there's a very good chance they're the new Whigs. People like Michael and Nicole and others, though, I, I mean, Michael's here. I could just ask him right now. Um, do you think that women should be paid the same as men? Do you, yes. uh, yeah. do you believe that climate change is real? Yes. Do you believe the minimum wage should be $7.25 an hour? Look, put that in perspective. When I was, when I was a county chairman, I was calling for a $15 minimum wage. That was 1996. I, I'm not so even throwing cold water on it. Wait, Michael, I'm going to jump in and then, although I love it when you ask questions, and then I'm going to let you finish. Um, oh, I went from someone... being the chair of the Republican Party to now the co-host of the show. <laughs> or I should say co-host. Co-host is fine. You stay with us. But, uh, but because this is not just a love fest, uh, and people know I do personally love Michael Steele. Um, but as a journalist, I'm going to show the, the old days of Michael Steele, uh, which include Drill Baby Drill among other yeah. things, uh, for uh -oh. context. Let's, uh -oh. take, let's, let's take a look. Uh -oh. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Government should be limited so that it never becomes powerful enough to infringe on the rights of individuals. Taxes should be kept low. Promote oil and gas production at home. Drill, baby, drill, and drill now. Other than is is marijuana now legal in Maryland? Uh, uh, this, that's that's the old Michael Steele. The new one is is he's really Michael Steele is really the majority of the country because the majority of the country forget about Democrat Republican the majority of the country does believe climate change is real does believe women should be paid the same as men we need a living wage go down the whole list the majority of Americans support. What is essentially now the Democratic Party platform? I'm supposed to yes. put in a break. I did want to mention, um, since Michael was bringing in lyrics, uh, well, both Michaels really, that you know, DJ Khaled and Drake, they say no new friends. Uh, the idea that once they achieve a level of success, they can't trust new people around them. Um, that's in that business, but in politics in America, it's the opposite. We need to keep growing. So I'm really glad if we have some new friends here. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for it, Michael Moore.
I'm just saying, knowing that song as well as I do, that they were actually, I think, being self-critical when they're saying no new friends. But I, they were bemoaning the fact that as they got more famous and more popular and older, they were not making new friends. And that really is never a good thing. But um, yes, let's, like let's come back. Do you have the same interpretation of that song? Uh, I, I I do, um, and and the and to Michael's point, uh, I think um, just to keep it in my in my period, uh, Michael Jackson said it best: "We are the world." Mm. Well, and, and Michael Moore may get the last word or, on this because, go ahead. Stop. The love you take may be your own. So I'm just saying. You're going you know, back to that. I'm just I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'm going to give one more to Michael Steele. I'm going to give one more. Just because this is the last one we'll see you guys maybe before the election. Michael Steele. You know, for me, this whole conversation can be summed up by James Brown. Get it on the good foot. Good God. Woo! Right. There it is. And, and the exit song that. for Donald Trump, the exit song from Donald Trump uh, will be Oobladi Oblada. Oblada. Right? Life goes on, bro. Life goes and on. So bro. long. Donald Trump. Wow. We'll see. We'll see oh. what the numbers say. Michael we'll Moore, see. Michael Steele, together again. Hey, I'm all right. Yep. Yes, we're going to see. We're gonna, we will surely see. But, uh, yeah, as you can see, uh, this has turned out to be uh, an amazing election. It's crucial. It is significant. Is the most uh, probably the most significant election, like everybody has said, of our lifetime, and so I am certainly looking forward to voting. And I go vote tomorrow, but so many people have already voted that uh, it is, and it, that that bodes well for the challenger, you know. Nobody really gets that excited about going to vote for an incumbent. Even though um, I, I believe it's going to be a high turnout on both sides, but I believe that uh, the independents are about to swing this in a big way. And I think there's going to be a lot, of, there are a lot of Democrats who have not voted, especially who sat out the last election in 2016, who already have voted or who are going to vote. So, that's a that's a huge difference in uh, what's about to happen, and I, I'm just excited to see how many people have decided to step up and participate because that's what we need. This is democracy. This is what we need, and we need more of it. Um, and this, I mean, I just I think we're gonna do well. Let's see. Um, there was something else I wanted to check out real quick here. But, uh, um, okay. All right, we'll see you next time.